Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Good morning this morning. I'm on one today. I'm not going to lie. I watched the Chris Ballard Indianapolis press conference and then the reaction, and I am absolutely on one. All right, but first, man, I hope you travelers out there are listening into this show. Uh, apparently, the earliest that you're going to be able to fly right now, according to the FAA, is right now, 9 o'clock. So I hope if you're on a plane and you're listening to this or you're in an airport and you're listening to this, here it is, ladies and gentlemen, from uh, WIBC, the FAA system that sends out important real-time flight hazards and restrictions to all airline pilots is out. It's out. Not only United Airlines, but every airline across the country. Out. See, here's what happens, and Clay Travis always says this, get woke, go broke. Why do you think Pete Buttigieg was hired as the head of all this, the head of the transportation in the United States, bus, air, plane, you name it, little Mayor Pete, he of the 8 to 12 week paternity, maternity, whatever the hell it is late, the prop sitting on the bed with his babies, with his husband. Why do you think that man was hired with zero experience? We hire props in this day and age. You're telling me to control the travel, to control the travel of everybody in the United States, the best person to handle this was Pete Buttigieg, a little-known mayor from a little town that, frankly, he was nothing more than a white guy trying to be real at different times in a community that hated him. Why was he hired? We know why he was hired. He checked the box. He's not the best candidate. Now, here's the deal. This is why the world we live in sucks, and you need people like me to call this out. So millions of people are stranded. Millions of dollars are lost right now. Right now, business has stopped because people can't get to meetings. People can't make appointments. Families are disrupted because people can't get home. And the person that is responsible for it, and again, had no experience in it, but he was gay or is gay, and he had a husband. And they had kids. That's it. So somebody on Twitter says to me, Corey Stedman, please explain to me how this is Pete Buttigieg's fault. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know the internal workings. But what I do know is this. Joe Biden himself, the lead idiot, said, I just got off the phone with Buttigieg. Now you tell me. Biden. According to Angela Ganote, a reporter here at Fox 59, uh, President Biden, I just spoke to Buttigieg, and they don't know what the cause is, but I was just on the phone the last 10 minutes with Buttigieg, which means that the person in charge of it all 
was being asked by his boss what's going on here. So I don't pretend to know the inner workings, uh, all of you dipsticks like Corey Stedman from Massachusetts. I don't know, but what I do know is he's the head of it. And he had no experience. But he checked the box. You're telling me there isn't anybody in this country, nobody, that understood travel as well as or better than Pete Buttigieg to be hired when travel affects every one of us. Jim Banks, who I love, and I'm not a bad at if we ever get him on, right? Uh, I'm not mad at it. But Jim Banks said, this is what happens when you hire somebody whose only experience is, I like trains. That's it. The dude, Buttigieg, took 12 weeks off to do what? I don't know. You know, paternity leave. You know how many days I took off? Shoop. Zero. Here's Buttigieg, who does, by the way, um, want to take credit for anything. This is Pete Buttigieg back on February 3rd, 2001, when Buttigieg got introduced as the head of transportation. This is our moment to build back better. Please follow me at Secretary Pete and USDOT for the latest update on how we're transforming our nation's transportation future. Do you know how many problems we've had in our airlines? Do you know how Pete Buttigieg was warned with Southwest Airlines for years but was too busy? I don't know what he was too busy doing. Was he, I don't know, frolicking? Working? Digging ditches? Mining coal? No. He was taking paternity leave on our dime. I got to tell you, call me, give me, give me it all. Give me it all. LGTQB, you're an ist, you're hard. No, the dude's bad at his job, was unqualified for, from his job, and we all pay the price. Speaking of bad at his job, speaking of unqualified to keep his job. The Colts yesterday had a press conference with the biggest con man in sports. The biggest con man in sports, his name, is Chris Ballard. Chris Ballard was called by on the NFL.com network, the best general manager in the NFL last year over guys that had won Super Bowl. Chris Ballard, the Colts general manager, and you need to be aware of this in your own community, is full of crap. He can sling it. He's 46, 53, and 1 in six years. Uh, A little context here, and the dummies in Indy don't understand this. His predecessor went 53, 32, and 0. 53 and 32 with five different quarterbacks. People say, well, he had Andrew Luck. He went 6-3 and three without Andrew Luck. People say, well, he had Andrew Luck. He didn't protect Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck never got sacked 59 times like this year's team did. Andrew Luck was taught how to slide. He rejected it. Andrew Luck never got hurt in the pocket. It was when he decided not to slide. The level of stupid with the Colts is unbelievable. So they retain this idiot who's going to be <clears throat> on his fifth coach. He retained Chuck Pagano, and I'll tell you about that. He retained Chuck Pagano because here in Indianapolis, we really don't care about winning. We care about cap space. We care about media relations, great drafts. Well, guess what? 
So this idiot <clears throat> decides because they had hashtags, Chuck Strong, Chuck Stay. When he got here, he kept Pagano. That's one. Understood that Pagano was useless, stupid. So he goes and hires Josh McDaniels. So Josh McDaniels takes a look, and exactly what I told Indy. <clears throat> I told Indy that the Luck family did not like the woke, soft culture of the Colts. Did not like it. Did not like Quentin Nelson, the freaking idiot guard. I'm calling a lot of people names, so let me go back up. The sixth pick in the draft, MFing the general manager on the field during a practice. Luck family did not like the softness. Luck didn't quit because of injury. He quit, and everybody that knows Luck will tell you this, because he knew this wasn't going anywhere. Why risk my health? Because the way the thing is set up in Indy, it is not about winning. It is about PR, and I've said this to you for years. So this guy gets on. Let's go. Let's go to the press conference. Now, you got to understand something. The dumbasses in Indianapolis, like there is no dumber. There is no dumber media, print media, in Indianapolis than Indianapolis. There is no softer. They're dying to love this guy. Why? Because he takes them out, and I'm being literal here, for nachos. He brings nachos. He has the media come to his place, and they watch True Story. Quitty pay first-round pick highlights, and then Stephen Holder of the USA Today, Zach Kiefer of The Athletic, Mike Wells, who was the just ridiculous, but anyway, and then Greg Doyle and all these little minions, all these guys that are working for the Indy Star that are insiders write these glowing pieces. Doyle actually told us we're lucky to have this guy, Ballard. Ballard is 46-53-1. Just saying. Anyway. So yesterday, Ballard speaks. Now, if this is happening in your city, you got to be out of your mind. Okay, so let's go through the most full of crap man who now is being told uh, in our print media what an honest thing he did. He's in his sixth year. Let me preface this. He's in his sixth year. All right, in his sixth year, this is what he says. He acts like he's John freaking Wayne. Listen to this comment about backing out from anything. I'm, I'm never back out of anything in my life. I won't back out of this. We'll get it right. Um, I don't, people are scared to struggle. I'm not gonna sit here and say I like it, but I'm not afraid of it. I'm not afraid of the struggle. I'm not afraid of the hardness of what we do. Matter of fact, I kind of get off on it. That's the largest piece of BS I've ever heard. See, what I, he's in his sixth year. This isn't his first year where he's describing how, or his second year after a tough, this is done with year six. I would rather have a guy that gets off on championships. I would have, rather have a guy that gets off on winning. I don't want a guy that's up there trying to make excuses for why he has been so inept. And I told you Indianapolis fans, and I told national audience, this is the biggest fraud in sports, this guy Ballard. It's the biggest fraud. Drafted a guard six. Hell, I like the pick. Might as well. I'm not paid to make the pick. This guy drafted a guy named Ben Banigou ahead of people like, I don't know, DK Metcalf. Oh, I don't know. A.J. Brown on a team that needs wide receivers. I can go on and on. The drafts have been horrible. The PR has been great. But he gets off, this guy does, 
I'm losing. I don't want that. I don't want that in my program. I want guys that get off on winning championships, not get off on the struck six years in. All right, let's go to the next one. You mentioned as surprised as we are if you don't pick a quarterback in the first round. We're going to be surprised. You know that. Are you going to be surprised if you don't? Boy, you you got the loaded questions. You've got them fired up today. Um, <laughs> what a dip. No, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it's the fourth pick of the draft. Um, we aren't. I mean, excuse my language, but we are. We are in that. Um, <laughs> I don't like earning it, but we did. Did you hear the little dipsticks in the back giggling? Did you hear them giggling? We earned the fourth pick in the draft. <laughs> you hear the little dipsticks? In the, and, of course, when you do that and you're on the stage, that gives you confidence to then go, we sure did. Uh, yeah, you did. And you did it in your sixth year. In your sixth year. And they earned it because of the incompetence of that man. They earned it because of the lack of accountability and the accent on PR of that man. This is a guy that cried about white people. White people. This is a guy that talked about guns but couldn't get the identity of the guns he was speaking about. The media in Indy said this is honest. This isn't honest. This is crap. This is a show. And the little gigglers, uh, Stephen Holder of the ESPN is the word. <laughs> you ever see that guy on TV? He's howdy doody. Zach Kiefer is like 20 years old. Zach Kiefer is like, oh my God, are they going to get mad? He writes for The Athletic. If you idiots pay for the Indy Star, The Athletic, or ESPN, that's on you. All right, here's the third one. Oh, God. <laughs> Kevin, Look at that. Is this creepy? I have none, <laughs> none right now. Uh, <laughs> how creepy is that, man? See, here's how you know Ballard was neutered. The guy that asked the question was Kevin Bowen. He's a he's a little morning guy here in Indy. Really nice kid. And Ballard feels like he can rip Bowen every time he asks a question. And Kevin Bowen doesn't deserve it because he's really good at his job. But Ballard is neutered. See, he wasn't going to go after anybody. How creepy is this guy? (laughs) And this is what smart politicians do. You heard in the previous answer, well, you got the loaded questions. And little dipstick media guy Stephen Holder sits up. Yeah, I do. I'm, I'm tough. And then he says, oh, Kevin... And then he, he, I mean, how creepy is this dude? My man, Jason Hammer, the number one radio show, news talk radio show in the country is the Hammer and Nigel show on WIBC. They talk politics, mostly sports, pop culture. Uh, You're an indie. You sent me receipts on the clowns in the media actually praising this fraud for the sham he perpetrated yesterday. So could you imagine if you lived in Philadelphia, if you lived in Chicago, one of these places where they take sports pretty seriously, where they're passionate about it, and you've got a general manager up there that hasn't made 
the playoffs in the worst division in football in a couple of years, has a losing record in a sixth season, and you've got people with blue check marks before they bought them saying, well, he was honest today. This is the Chris Ballard I like. I like him. He was honest. He No, I don't give a damn if he was honest or not. How did the team do? Like Maybe I'm the lone right. ranger here, coach. I just don't give a damn what he has to say anymore. Like if this were his first press conference, all right, I might be interested in what he has to say. If this was a really controversial moment, uh, all right, I'd be interested to hear what he has to say. You just wrapped up a year where you did not beat the Houston Texans all season long. You didn't beat the Texans. You won one division game, just one, in the worst division in football. The AFC South makes the NFC South look like the SEC in college football. It's horrible. The Colts won one, one damn division game, and you've got blue checkmark people in this city. Well, that's the Chris Ballard that I like. That's the one that I want to hear. I'm rooting for this guy. You know what I'm rooting for? Some freaking wins, coach. I'm rooting for some wins. It shouldn't be that hard to be just competitive in the AFC South. I'm not saying be Kansas City or Buffalo, but at least be playing meaningful football games past week 15 of the NFL regular season in the worst division in football. It's laughable. And this is year six. We'll get it right. Really? I mean, you've had when? six years. You had six. Right. When are you, right. And, and, and then he says, I'm not backing down. I don't care about him, but all of a sudden he's become John Wayne, right? All of a sudden he's, you know, I ain't asking him. He shouldn't have the option to back down or not. His ass should have been gone a long time ago. He's been horrible. And I don't care if he backs down or not. If you want to be the most passive guy in the world, if you're the kind of guy that cowers in the corner with your Snuggie on when things get tough, that's fine as long as you win football games. If the guy is winning football games, give me the passive guy that's scared. I don't need the tough guy that gets his ass beat all the time. And once again, the worst division in football. Is Mayor Pete Buttigieg, was he the best selection to govern all of our transportation? I mean, he put <laughs> it out that he is going to be, look at the different things. Biden just said, I talked to Mayor Pete. Like, I get he's in the protected class. You know, uh, he's a gay man with a husband, took his 20 weeks off to do whatever you do in paternity leave. So he's protected. But the question is, was he the right guy to control all of our travel? No, the travel secretary, the secretary of transportation, this is a job where you're kind of like a major league baseball umpire. We shouldn't know your name. We shouldn't know what you're doing. We're only going to notice you when you do a bad job. And look at what's happened under the reign here of Pete Buttigieg. Now, keep in mind, this guy was a mayor of South Bend, just a mayor. And he was given a seat at the table <laughs> with the Biden administration. Um, and it's not like South Bend was some sort of tropical paradise, right? Because he went on with Seth Meyers all the time and everybody loved Pete Buttigieg. Oh, he was in the military and he's gay and he's funny and he's gay and all this kind of crap. Everybody thought that South Bend was this well-oiled machine. The roads were terrible in South Bend. It was a pothole-ridden hellhole. 
Uh, the crime was bad in South Bend. A buddy of mine went to the Garth Brooks concert they had at Notre Dame Stadium, and the Uber driver told him, you want to get out of the stadium area before it's too late. That's a true story. Uh, there was a housing crisis in South Bend. There's questions about his relationship with the Kenzie factory. So there was a lot of stuff going on in South Bend, but because butt sniffers like Seth Myers and people in the national media love Pete. Oh, he's got a husband named Chastin. Oh, he's so good. He's well-spoken. Pete Buttigieg is good on TV, but he's bad at his job. Look at what's happened under the time that he has been the Secretary of Transportation. You've had issues with Southwest Airlines. You've had a near railroad catastrophe, railroad strikes. The unions aren't happy. There are supply chain issues. The truck drivers are not happy. The roads are a mess. And then you had what happened today. Now, I'm not saying what happened today should fall all on the shoulders of Mayor Pete. But if I were taking over the Department of Transportation, like if I didn't know anything at all, Coach, one of the first things I would do is I would speak with the folks at the airlines. I would speak with the folks at the railroads and say, what are the biggest issues? What are some problems that we might have to figure out before things get too bad? And it sounds like this software issue with the airlines is that issue. But nobody wants to press Pete Buttigieg because, oh, he's so fun. Look at him. He's got a good haircut. Pete Buttigieg sucks. And you know who else sucks? His husband, Chastin. Because this guy keeps going on social media and ripping anybody that has anything negative to say about his husband. Look, I don't care if you're gay or straight. Nobody wants to hear from the spouse. I don't want to hear from Matt Stafford's wife. And I sure as hell don't want to hear from Chastin. Chastin sucks. I heard from Chris Ballard's wife one time, and she told me to keep ripping him. So I kind of respected that, you know what I mean? But I think, but I think she was as full of crap as he was when, uh, when they said that. Look, um, people ask me, well, tell me what Judge has to do with it. I don't know what Judge has to do with it, but I know this. Biden just put out that he spoke to Pete Buttigieg for 10 minutes. And I know when I went to Buttigieg's Twitter page, he was bragging about all the changes he, Mayor Pete or Transportation Pete or whatever Pete was going to do. So I think they at least were going to accept and take credit for any success that they had. That's the way I look at it, Hammer. That's what you see with the Biden administration. When gas prices go high, it's Putin's fault. But when they come down low, look what we did to save you money on gas. It's the biggest load of crap ever. Look, Pete Buttigieg wasn't qualified to be the secretary for transportation. But let's be honest, that's a throwaway gig. That gig is always given to somebody that plays ball, that's willing to drop out in a primary. It's given to somebody because of a handshake deal that happens after hours. I get it. But if you're going to be in charge of it, you have to be the one that takes responsibility when things happen bad underneath of you. Let me bring it into the sports world here. If you're going to be the head coach of a team and the team stinks and the team is awful, uh, that's going to fall onto you. Look at Jeff Saturday with the Indianapolis Colts. People would say he wasn't qualified to be the head coach. Now imagine if he became the commissioner of the NFL. That's kind of what happened with Pete Buttigieg here. You were a bad mayor of South Bend. Ask anybody that lives in my state of Indiana. South Bend stinks. The only thing good there is the university, and they don't share a whole lot of the revenue that they bring in.
So now you're going to go from being uh, a bad mayor to this national sweetheart that won a couple primaries just because of two words, military and gay. It certainly wasn't because of any accomplishments. I, and that's the thing that's frustrating. You know, when you look at this administration, um, I don't know. They, they seem to just hire people to check boxes. Again, I'm fine. You want to be gay, be gay. You want to not be, don't be. You want, I don't care. But when it comes to things of service that affects a lot of people, my deal would be, look, I don't give a rats. I want to hire the best, most qualified person that I possibly can because right now we've got business being stopped. People can't get to meetings. Families being disrupted. It's insane to me that we would put somebody of, some, of such inexperience in that position, whether this is his fault or not. It's astounding we're that stupid. Let's go down the checklist here of the woke hires by the Biden administration, okay? So you've got uh, Pete Buttigieg as your travel and Secretary of Transportation. Well, it's kind of a mess right now. From everywhere, from supply chains to railroads to the airlines, it's a mess. All right, let's go down to the border. Alejandro Mayorkas may be the worst person in the Biden administration, the dumbest person in the Biden administration, the Homeland Security guy. And that's saying a lot because this is a Biden administration that has Kamala Harris and Joe Biden in it. And Mayorkas may be the dumbest guy in the world. This guy is qualified to run a lemonade stand and he's in charge of what's happening at the border. You went woke with your military and now you had to kick somebody off because they were allegedly a spy for other countries. And one of your other uh, woke choices was stealing luggage from the airlines. So it hasn't been a real good run of woke hires from the Biden administration. Again, if you want to check boxes, if you want to play the identity politics game, that's fine. But keep the search open longer and find somebody that's at least qualified to do it. If you're telling me you want to find somebody that's Hispanic or of color to be in charge of the border, that's fine. But don't give me Mayorkas because this guy's a zero. Um, yeah, the luggage stealer has to be on a list of any, any, any woke hire. Last thing before I let you go, Jeff Saturday. Jeff Saturday makes a plea to be the Colts coach. You buying it? Jeff Saturday can plea to be the head coach of the NFL and to be a head coach in this league. I can also plea to become a first-round pick in the NBA draft, coach. I'm 45 years old. I got you know some back fat going on. I'm a little bit heavy. Then, but you know what? I think I got a better chance of being a lottery pick than Jeff Saturday does. And I hate saying that because I've met Jeff Saturday. and He's an awesome dude. And he's a fun guy. And I'd love to have some beers and just BS with the dude. But since he came to the Indianapolis Colts, they got worse. They caught lightning in a bottle that first week against the Raiders. And if you look what happens, and you know this, Coach, when teams make a change that first week, you usually get the best effort. And then after that, reality sets in. And the reality was, under Jeff Saturday, they blew the biggest lead in the history of the NFL. They gave up a 50-burger to the Dallas Cowboys, and you gave up a Hail Mary on the <laughs> final game of the year at home to the Houston Texans. That's not a strong statement of saying, I'm a leader of men. I can fix this. 
he can say all he wants that the coaching staff's in shambles and whatever. That's fine. But Jeff Saturday, he had an opportunity. If he just would have showed a little bit of progress, just this much progress, I think he would have a legitimate chance. And maybe he still does. But I don't think this is the job for him, man. I really don't. And I think a lot of Colt fans, we like the guy. His name's hanging up in the stadium and that ring of honor thing. But this isn't for him. I think that if you go into a meeting with the fake religious, which I think Saturday is, uh, a business meeting, and he starts it with a prayer, I think you better hold on to your wallet, turn around, and run away. Or don't turn around. Walk <laughs> out backwards if your wallet's in your back pocket. I think Jeff Saturday <laughs> – is full of crap. I always have, and I always will. Hammer, you brought the good stuff. You brought the great stuff, my friend. Thanks for the time, baby. You're the man. Thanks, coach. I got to get into some uh, basketball from last night, including signs up at Rupp Arena wanting Calipari to go. Say it ain't so. Say it ain't so. Doc, it's me. I hit a 14 parlay for $1,000 last night. Uh, pretty nice little hit for me. Wisconsin, Michigan State is coming on. Indiana, the players are fighting with fans. We had one guy, Race Thompson, cry on the court. We had another guy. I don't know. They sent me mean letters. And now the players are arguing on Instagram with fans. Bad players. Soft players. I don't want to make this an all-Indiana show, but there's a lot going on. Kentucky fans, we'll show you the sign next. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, by the way, Isaiah Hole from um, Wolverine Press or Wolverine Wire is going to join us. It's heating up. It is. It's heating up with John Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh. Excuse me. I always call him John because I like John. Jim's weird. But he's talked uh, to Denver. He has talked, obviously, to Carolina. It's heating up. And we'll get the latest coming up at 10 o'clock. We also have What the Hell Wednesday. And there's a couple What the Hells in here. College basketball last night. All right, we're going to give you the scores. Throw the scores up there. We got the scores. We'll give you the scores. But the scores don't tell the whole picture of what's going on in my beloved college basketball. Michigan State went into the Kohl Center, where it used to be nobody won. And A.J. Hogard and Malik Hall, if you're looking for a team to bet long-term or to bet on a weekly basis, you got to look at Sparty. Sparty with Malik Hall, they are back in business and they are damn good. Uh, bottom left, ladies and gentlemen. Bottom left is where we've got to go. Now, let me say this. <laughs> South Carolina was coming off a 43-point home beating by the University of Tennessee. Let me say that again. A 43-point home beating. I said at home. At South Carolina, 
So I'm watching yesterday, and this guy, Oscar Shibway, he's starting to complain to the coach. We need guys that are going to fight. Oscar Shibway gets a lot of numbers. And people will say, well, here's the problem. Okay. Can't make a bucket outside two feet. It's kind of interesting. The dude is making about, I don't know, two and a half, three million. Can't make a bucket from me to that camera right there. Can't make a bucket. Can tip it in. Can rebound. Tough on the board. And he's the one now all of a sudden telling telling Calipari what to do and who to play, including Sheepway, says walk-ons. That's a problem. I'll tell you another problem. Uh, Let's put it up. I never thought I would see two things in this picture right now. And I'll tell you the two things. At Kentucky, this picture and this guy got kicked out for having this sign. This sign is in reference to John Calipari going and leaving Kentucky to Texas. There is a rumor that Calipari would like to be in Texas. That would be the equivalent to Pete Carroll getting out ahead of the posse. That's number one. I never thought I would see that sign relative to Calipari. Calipari, when he came in, did the whole dance. He was bigger than the program. They recruited. They won a national title. Only one in his time, which at Kentucky, you think with that talent, you would have more. He's done an amazing job of raising money in the community. He's done an amazing job of raising money for the athletic program. He's been the ultimate, internally, he's been the ultimate coach. People got mad because he said it's a basketball school. Mark Stoops proved him right. Never thought I would see that. The second thing I never thought that I would see, frankly, is a half-filled Rupp Arena. Now, I'm not going to pretend and say that I watch every Kentucky game. I'm not going to pretend and say, hey, look, if Kentucky's on, I know the crowd. But my sense, and I think most people's sense is, is every seat is sold in Rupp Arena. Yesterday, holy cow. Yesterday, my God. It was dead. It was half-filled. Look, that's a real problem. And the team is bad now. Maybe the team will get good. Remember last year, Kentucky went into Kansas and beat Kansas by 30. I mean, crush their soul. And so maybe, just maybe, Kentucky will be fine. Maybe this is just going to gonna be growing pains. And Cal Perry did what he said. Don't take it out on the players. Take it out on me. I'll get to that in a second. But I got to tell you, the players at Kentucky, and this is a quandary. Well, let me preface what I'm going to say about the quandary by showing you what's going on at Indiana. I'll get to the Carlos Correa in a minute, but I want to go to what's going on with my team. Speaking of quandary, I'm going to explain to you the quandary that fans have right now. So at Indiana, this is what we have. Well, the other day, our leader, Trace, Race, Jackson, Davis, whatever the hell his name is, He gets mad because some fan wrote him hate mail. Some fan wrote him a mean letter. And Jackson Davis said, this is why players have mental health issues. Really? I said it yesterday, and I'll say it again. When I played at Indiana, I turned the ball over against Virginia. I got eggs fired at my apartment while I was in it playing spades. We ran out. Guys were already gone. Guys took my grill, threw it off the balcony, and broke it. Can you imagine if somebody did this to these soft-ass clowns? Can you imagine if somebody did this 
to them. Then we got Race Thompson. Race Thompson is a six-year senior. He's supposed to be tough, right? He's supposed to be really, really tough. He's sitting there bawling on the court when he got his knee tweaked. Yeah, I'm sure it hurt. You would have to stab me in the neck to cry in front of 17,000 people, particularly my peers at home in front of students. You would literally have to take a knife and stab me. And by the way, I don't want to hear any crap because I had to come out of two games and have a neck brace for, uh, well, not two weeks, or one week, a neck brace like this. I would take it off to practice. Couldn't hardly move. I don't want to hear how, well, you think you're so tough. No, we were tough. We were not going to sit there and cry because freaking my knee got tweaked. Somebody sent me a mean letter. We used to take the letters, true story. We got all kinds. I got naked pictures from girls and I was ugly. Alfred got all kind of crap. Look, when you're a white guy playing in Indiana like me and you can jump this high, dudes always thought they should have been you, but they weren't tough enough. They didn't have sack enough. They didn't practice hard enough. If I told you what I did to get good enough to play at Indiana, you'd be shocked, but I digress. So my Hoosiers have lost two in a row. My Hoosier players are crying on the court. Race Race Jackson Davis, whatever his name is, good player, nice kid. He's telling fans, this win at all cost doesn't mean, you don't know my character. Well, let me explain. I don't want to know your character. You're on a basketball team. Your character is for your people. What I want to know, your family, your friends, that's fine. Hey, you're out here making a million, hawking. Hey, go to this car dealership. Hey, go to this. After games that Indiana players lose, they go to these events and they make money. It's a quandary. Are they professional? Should they be treated like professional? I always felt I was. I didn't care what you said to me. So now we have this. Let's show what Indiana players are up to now, Dylan. There you go. Indiana players are fighting with people on Instagram. Miller Cop, who is as soft as anybody could be, he came from Northwestern. He's a jump shooter. I personally, this is just me, have no respect for guys that are just jump shooters. Never had, never will. In my neighborhood, you had to drive it to the bucket. Miller Cop, bunch of pencil neck clowns on this. Look us in the eyes and you'd be quiet as can be. Guarantee that. Guarantee I won't. One thing that Tom Crean regretted was having me speak to Indiana's team. He regretted it because I killed him. I'm like, I don't get you guys. Why are you worried about the coach? And I showed him all the banners up there that I was a part of. And I'm like, hey, we never cared about Bobby Knight. He He taught us. He coached us. And now you guys are whining. Indiana should never have me speak to their team because I'll walk right up to Cooper Cup or whatever the hell his name is and go, you're soft as hell. Play tougher. I'd say it to the whole team, the entire team. So now we're fighting on Instagram. Indiana used to be, and I know people don't like, don't, don't like, well, Bobby Knight's me. Shut up. I didn't like Bobby Knight when I went and worked for him at Indiana. Keep that same energy. Yay. Race Thompson. Yay. Go get them, fellas. Yay. Race Thompson's crying on the court. I knocked my head one time. I got ran over. You can look the guy up. George Montgomery. I couldn't see for a split second. 
at Assembly Hall when we had seven players and we beat the number five team in the country. Chuck Franz went for 23. These dudes are crying on the court, crying about letters, crying at fans. I tell you what, and then, and then I looked at some of these. We got 36, 36 of them, bloggers. We just want to thank Rake Thompson or whatever, uh, 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 Trace Jackson for, for his efforts. They lost to Northwestern. The Indiana University men's basketball Twitter fought to the finish on a home loss against Northwestern. And now we're fighting on Instagram. God bless you. God bless you. You don't know my character. I'm a basketball player second. Then don't take our money. Then don't take our money. Don't be out. Are you up? This is the quandary. And I'm going to get back to this. This is the quandary. Are they pros? Or are they college students? Here's my deal. I think they're totally pros. Hell, they don't go on campus. Most players. I'm not talking about Indiana. I don't know. But most of them, you talk to Seth Greenberg, Fran Fraschella, guys that actually know that are there. Most guys don't even set foot on campus. They go to the gym. They log in the computer, take their classes on computer, work out, go home. And then they want millions because they're on the basketball team. And then they get mad because fans say, wait a second here. You guys are taking millions. I think Jackson Davis makes a million. I don't know. And yet you don't want to be criticized. It's a quandary. And my quandary is even deeper because I never cared what you said. You want to call me a little bench? Good. You want to throw eggs at my apartment? Good. I lived the life. I had to punch a guy out. True story. A guy named, I think his name was Roberts. Hammond High School. I'm from Gary. He's from Hammond. We whipped them every year. I'm at my uh, girlfriend, Mo Mama, who was from Hammond, her apartment in Bloomington. I was wearing a fedora. Much like this. This guy comes up. And he called me a name, flipped my fedora off in front of people. What was I going to do? I knocked him out. I did. I'm not saying I'm right, wrong. I knocked him out. He had to get knocked out. So what did I do? Oh, man, I was nervous for a month that Bobby Knight was going to find out. I don't know what he was going to do. Honest to God. Honest to God. Now, see, you got to understand, um, People around it, the, the, the little daughters, uh, well, everybody that complains needs therapy. I don't need therapy. I just need you to play better. Well, you guys are sick that come on and complain about Indiana players. You got people, and this is the beauty of Bob Knight, Mike Krzyzewski, uh, Cal does this. A lot of coaches do this. We would get letters from people about how much Indiana basketball meant to us. I'd get them at Bowling Green, and I'd always read them to the team. See, unlike the little daughters or the mommies or whatever, Indiana basketball is deeply rooted. People care. People spend their winners, just like Kentucky, just like – now, there's very few places, Kansas, North Carolina, Indiana. I don't think Duke does. They're too busy being stupid. But anyway – so this matters to people. And when people get up, when it matters to you, you have an opinion. And then little daughters and everybody says, well, you all should get therapy. No, well, really? I mean, that's the answer from a 31-year-old, 30, you know, that's it? Oh, okay. Well, we'll get therapy. But this stuff is going to matter long after lazy-ass Mike Woodson is long gone. Mike Woodson, stop watching CNN and watch tape. Quit with the three naps a day. 
Hire an assistant coach, any assistant coach that can coach basketball. That's it. You got a game tonight. Hope you win. Drive you nuts, these guys. They're, they're mean to me. I got hit in the knee. Jesus. Indiana used to be about toughness. Didn't always win. Actually, they did in 75 and 76. But I guarantee you, everybody that knew us knew that we were some bad boys when it came to toughness. And if that makes you upset, tough. If that bothers you, tough. If you're calling me an egomaniac, tough. I'm just telling you my life experience. And if you don't like my life experience or you're jealous or it makes you feel bad because you've been a little batch in your life, I don't care. I don't. Not even a little. My life is my life. And that's what I personally went through. Right now, Indiana, I got hit in the knee. <laughs> Shut up. I, I'll be ripped for him. I don't care. Carlos Correa is an idiot. Unless he could go nowhere else, Carlos Correa is a fool. You always go play in the big market. You always go to New York. You always go to Boston. You go to Chicago. You go to San Francisco. Carlos Correa is getting a lot of money to be in oblivion. Good for Carlos Correa. Six years, $200 million. God bless you. God bless you. Good for you. It's like I always said, if Derek Jeter played shortstop for Kansas City, he'd be a great player, but nobody would care. Uh, Look Robinson Cano up, second baseman of the Yankees. He went out to Seattle for a big deal. He's gone. Carlos Correa will put up numbers, and no one will care. He'll be a star in Minnesota. Yay, Ra, go fight win. There's a bunch of crazy people in Minnesota that are even getting crazier. You go there, good for you. That's what I got to say about Carlos Correa. Period. Good for him. Got a lot of money. Uh, the Cardinals are going to try to trade DeAndre Hopkins in the offseason. Well, let me explain that to you. DeAndre Hopkins is the mad crapper. The mad crapper. He's called that because in Indianapolis, when he was at Clemson, he and some idiot wide receiver, some other idiot wide receiver, decided that they, at the Combine, were going to crap all over the hotel room that they were staying in. It's kind of sick. No, it's really sick. So he's always been the mad crapper to us here in Indianapolis. So he goes wherever he goes. Bill O'Brien trades him. Everybody loses their mind. Bill O'Brien knew. You're not winning with this idiot. So they get rid of that idiot. And they, Oh, wait, he was with the Texans. I'm sorry. They did lose. Yeah, they lost. But it wasn't on him. It was on Deshaun Watson groping women. Anyway, the mad crapper goes. He makes a great catch because his gloves are sticky. And now Arizona's tired of him. I tell you things. People get mad at me. And then years later, nobody remembers that I told you. I told you the mad crapper isn't going to get anything done for you. He's, he's an idiot. I don't care if ESPN does. If you does 700 shows on him, talks about his greatness, does an article on him. He's the mad crap. I don't think you ever recover from crapping up a hotel room. I think the bill was like 15 grand that the mad crapper and some other idiot from Rutgers decided to crap all over a hotel room in downtown Indy at the combine. Now, he's uber talented, so that's why people uh, drafted him early, but he's still the mad crapper. And you know on a daily basis, he's just an idiot. 
So here we go again. They're getting rid of the mad crapper. Uh, Twitter poll, I'm sorry, YouTube poll, how comfortable would you be on an airplane buying a ticket right now? Great question. Great question. Sack up, boys, says, remember when Indiana didn't even want DD? I do remember. How's that worked out? How's that worked out? You know what I mean? Uh, it's worked out great uh, for me. I don't know if it's worked out for them. They've been a mess ever since. Uh, so sack up, boys, that's not the burn that you think it is. Uh, Tanner Hill says Dan Dockage is the poster child for back in my day. I am today. You're damn right I am. You're absolutely right, because I've had enough. No, seriously, I've had enough. I've had enough of us guys like me just going along, going along. I'm going to tell you how it really was, really is, and really should be. And Tanner, your name is Tanner, so there's no way we could be friends. Hi, Tanner. Cute. Anyway, uh, Tanner, I got to tell you, man. There's a level of toughness that needs to be back in this country, and I'm going to promote the living crap out of it every day. You soft little millennials can do what you need to do, but I ain't stopping it, and you'll be right here every day because you need, you know, you know, like the book Wild at Heart, you need a dose of double D. So keep whining. Hi, Tanner. Hi. My God. Tanner. What does IU basketball stand for? Softness and crap. Uh, This is sad news because according to my friend Jason Benetti, who is the White Sox announcer, Liam Hendricks is a great dude. The White Sox announced that Liam Hendricks, who is their closer, and he's also a former reliever of the year, has been diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. He will, I'm betting, I'm praying, he will be fine, but it's a long road. And here's Hendricks right now. As a professional athlete, always been mindful. Try and use my position in the public eye to the most positive ends possible by shining a light on causes or issues that are close to home. Recently, I was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Hearing the word cancer came as a shock to my wife and I, as to millions of families. However, I'm resolved to embrace the fight and overcome this new challenge with the same determination I've used facing other obstacles in life. My treatment starts tomorrow. I'm confident I can make a full recovery and be back on the mound as soon as possible. Good for you, man. See, here's the deal. Guys like Tanner or guys that don't like hearing about toughness, it's the same guys that don't like hearing about prayer until you need it. See, going through the whole deal with Bobby Knight, hey, I've been let go of jobs. I've had disappointment. I've had divorce. I've also had incredible successes. And you know what happens when you've gone through something at least a little tough and you weren't given anything? You can handle all of it. You can absolutely handle all of it. 2,000-word essay on what a bad guy by Greg Doyle, some lying hit piece. You laugh and you make fun of it. Hey, Dan, we're going to hire Tom Crean. You handle it. Hey, Dan, we want you either to stay on out or go away, get off of OutKick, and if you don't, you can't have your radio show at Indy. Easy decision. I go to OutKick. No problem. You got to be able to handle stuff, and I worry, I worry that guys like Tanner um, can't handle it. Like, Tanner comes back. I love that little Tanner can get Dan so fired up. Seems a bit soft. Call me whatever you want. 
Seriously, call me whatever you want. But I'm trying to help you here, son. And that's what I do every day. I try to help little guys like Tanner. And if you think, if it makes you feel better to say that I'm soft, God bless you. Good for you. I got a whole lifetime of receipts on me. So yeah, good. All right, what else do we got? Oh, couple of things. Um, number one, tonight, Indiana takes on Penn State. And for you Indiana fans, I ain't going to tell you this is a must win, but this is a must win. Oh, my God, Indiana fans. I got If you lose this one at Penn State, first off, you've lost to an idiot, a guy named Brian Snow, who is literally just a stupid, just ridiculous. I'm on one today, aren't I? I like it. You better come proper, people, as they say. You better come proper with me today or else I'm on one and I'll crush your soul. Yeah. But anyway, so Indiana's going to play tonight. We're going to get you ready over the course of the weekend for, ladies and gentlemen, for the NFL Wild Card Weekend, which I absolutely love. Seriously, I love it. I'm already getting myself ready for NFL Wild Card Weekend, ladies and gentlemen. All right. When we come back, Harbaugh, listen to this. Harbaugh is driving me nuts. Now, we're going to talk to Isaiah Hole of the Wolverine Wire. He will have the latest on where Jim Harbaugh is, but I got to tell you, Jim Harbaugh could do something very simple. Uh, I'm staying at Michigan. Yeah, yeah. I talked to people. I'm staying at Michigan. He hadn't done that. I mean, very simple. I know his statement, and I know coaches get in these little mountains. You know, when I talked to Urban Meyer, the one thing he told me, I go, what do you miss about coaching? He goes, I miss being treated like the head coach at Ohio State. So I get it. Coaches have this little castles. But look, if this was affecting Harbaugh's recruiting, or if this was affecting, uh, affecting anything within Harbaugh, or he was absolutely staying, it's very simple. Yeah, I talk to people, but I'm staying. He's not ready to do that. We'll find out. From Isaiah Hole, what's going on here? You do not want to miss this because this, ladies and gentlemen, is the story that is most interesting in college football. And then when we come back, I got a what the hell Wednesday that you're going to actually say out loud, what the hell? And it involves Ellen DeGeneres, whoever the hell that is. That's that mean lady. She's one of those... uh, people that tries to act all happy and nice. Read a little about Ellen DeGeneres. What a horrible human being. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, save $30 on the American-made Steel FS56 RCE Trimmer. Real Steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right, college football has come to an end, and we all watched the route and good for Georgia. They did what they needed to do. I guarantee you both Michigan and Ohio State are kicking themselves. I mean, Michigan, my God, what a... What a game in Ohio State, same thing. But the news is all about Jim Harbaugh. Will he stay? Will he go? 
I, I was talking off air with Isaiah Hole, who is the publisher of Wolverine Wire. He covers Michigan football, basketball better than anybody. I was asking him, hey, look, I want Harbaugh to go to the Colts. Bottom line, um, I'm going to go through the different places, but bottom line, do you think Harbaugh stays or do you think Harbaugh goes? I think Harbaugh is going to end up staying. I think this is all just a big, a big game of chicken between the athletic department and the uh, and and Jim Harbaugh. Uh, and ultimately, I think he'll end up at Michigan still. I mean, he's set his intention, but obviously, intentions aren't matching the actions. But uh, ultimately, I think that once everything is said and done. Both egos, or at least one ego, will be fed, and Jim Harbaugh will remain at Michigan. But it seems like it's going to take a minute for it to get there at this point, which is kind of ridiculous given what happened last year. Well, does Harbaugh have a little bit of a problem still with what transpired a few years ago with him having to be publicly shamed, basically? I mean, in the coaching world, I guess, by losing money kind of to hang on to his job. Is he still a little bit upset about that? I mean, from what I'm hearing, there is maybe a little bit of that, right? Like he, he wants to feel like he is absolutely adored by everybody. You know, it's that it's the big ego that you get when you are a head coach of a major program uh, like Jim Baugh is like, you know, obviously he he's been the head coach at, other major programs, obviously being the, the head coach at San Francisco or the 49ers and such. So that's going to essentially give you a little bit more of an ego than just your traditional, you know, maybe group of five type uh, college football coach. So I think with that being, like you said, publicly shamed and having to take a pay cut, uh, essentially where Michigan was able to get out of things scot-free if things didn't go very well. I do think that he still takes somewhat exception to that because obviously he wants to feel the love. Now, obviously they extended his contract, gave him something a lot more amenable. He made $10 million this last year after all the incentives kicked in, but I still feel like he is most likely still like hanging on to, to that. And then looking around the conference and seeing James Franklin, Mel Tucker, guys that don't have the level of success that Michigan's had in the last two years. And I think that he's looking at that and saying, Hey, like, why aren't you appreciating me? And then on, on top of that, I think you've got Michigan, who's tended to not give huge, giant contracts to head coaches in the same vein as what we're starting to see in college football today. Starting, th- you know, still thinking in an old school mentality. I think that there's kind of hanging back and saying, well, we don't really want to give someone that money, even if it's worth it. So I think that that's where the game of chicken is somewhat lying at the moment between Harbaugh and the, the administration. I think it'll get ironed out. I think at least Jim Harbaugh will end up being happy once this is all said and done. But at at the same time, I don't know what's preventing Michigan from understanding the ramifications of what happens if you don't make this guy happy. Because when it comes to coaching in Ann Arbor, having the the track record to success, I mean, even outside of these last two years, when you accept the 2020 season, I mean, he at least had Michigan back at Lloyd Carr record level. And uh, when you think about what happened in the seven years prior, I mean, it's pretty exceptional what he's been able to do. So if I'm Michigan, I, I'm just going to give him whatever he wants, but apparently they're going to take their time doing that. 
You know, uh, I always say this. When people say, well, I hope Harbaugh leaves and they're Michigan fans, I always say this. Okay, who replaces him? Right? I mean, look, you gotta, you're going to have to replace him. So I always say be careful what you wish for. Um, Isaiah, let me, let's just take Michigan out of it for a second. You've seen the reports, whether it's meeting with Tepper at – you know, at Carolina or it's meeting with Denver, obviously here in Indy, people are, well, we saw Harbaugh at the, at St. Elmo's before the championship game. What, what situation in your mind, knowing what you know about Jim Harbaugh, what situation fits? Well, if, if you're looking at NFL teams, I, I, I would preclude, uh, the Colts to some degree because it does feel like that's going to be a bit of a rebuild while he does have that capability of going in and rebuilding a program obviously I mean he he obviously went to San Francisco San Francisco hadn't had any kind of record of success and really since Steve Mariucci had left Uh, so it it had been five six years I believe it had been longer than that since they'd uh, gotten deep into the playoffs or anything of that nature and yet he turned them around instantly uh, I, I would look at probably more of the uh, the Denver Broncos who maybe have a little bit more of the personnel that's in line with what he uh, probably would uh, would like to have, right? Because I don't think that at 59 years old, is he going to want to be in a five-year rebuild? That also, the age part is what I think maybe somewhat plays into question for me too, because how it, it could go either way. You know, if he wants a Super Bowl, he's going to try to find the opportunity to go and get that as fast as possible. So I think that that would be, you, you look at the personnel, you look at the rosters, who's in the most ideal position. I mean, people thought Denver was going to be a contender this past year to some degree, and then end up falling off pretty much immediately under Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, so I would look at them. I mean, Carolina certainly has a couple of players here and there. They don't really have a quarterback. So, uh, But if you're Indianapolis, if he goes to Indianapolis, I mean, certainly they could draft a quarterback. So it, I, I can see all three of those being potential options if he does decide to bolt. But wherever he goes, they're going to have to give him uh, a pretty substantial, not only contract, but amount of control. Because I don't think that he's going to go and go through that whole Trent Falke type scenario again. He likes being his own man, his own boss, really, essentially at Michigan and uh, having a pretty high level of ability to basically be the puppet master around his uh, <laughs> in his domain. No, I get that. Like, that's what I was going to ask you next, you know. I mean, let's say that based on his personality, does he need to be the general manager? Does he need to make the shots on, as uh, Bill Parcells used to say, buying the groceries? I would imagine so. Oh, especially after being back at Michigan for eight years. I think it's one thing when you, you know, he had a couple of years, I believe, what, two years, maybe three at San Diego before uh, the University of San Diego before he went and coached Stanford for uh, for four years. Uh, and then to go to San Francisco, have that kind of rocky relationship like he had with, uh, with Trent Baalke and then ownership Jed York, uh, then to go to Michigan where – He's by and large adored, despite the contract situation from 2020, which, again, as much as he might out over that, uh, was certainly deserved, right? Uh, he went two and four. 
He, he lost him to Michigan State where they were 30-point favorites. That was a deserved contract that he got. Uh, so that said, he, he was been in a situation where he's had uh, full control for eight years. He's been able to make any decision that he's wanted to. I want to completely change the type of player I go after. By all means, I'm going to change the style of offense or defense that we're going for. By all means, he doesn't have to go through an intermediary uh, to kind of make those types of big, substantial changes. He can make those decisions on by himself on a whim. I think it would be really difficult for him to go to a situation where suddenly he, he's got to really be the subject of someone else's decisions. So uh, it would have to be a situation where not only he has – if not full control, substantial control. I think obviously the contract would have to be in line with what we're seeing from the top college coaches now, which is in a lot of ways superseded what we've seen from uh, NFL pay when it comes to head coaching hires. And, uh, and then you have to have the personnel as well, which is when you a couple of or really take all of those, it, it really, again, makes sense to me that he would come back to Michigan kind of given what Michigan offers him. As long as Michigan does, in fact, offer him money that tells him, we love you, Jim. We want you around for the long term. When do you, when do you, think, when do you think this shakes out? Well, that's where, where I'm kind of unsure. So I would have thought that a, a day like today or tomorrow, I, I would have thought would be the, the best timing. But it, like last year, Jim Harbaugh doesn't go necessarily by – the rules and strictures that you would necessarily apply to him. Um, the, the reason why I would look at one of these like today or tomorrow as being a day that I think there has a possibility. And I do think that there's a chance. I think he is uh, meeting with uh, president Santa Ono who just came aboard this past fall uh, in Ann Arbor. Uh, I believe they're meeting today. Um, but uh, with that in mind, you still also have, all those players who are on the fence, uh, they have to make their decision by January 15th. I mean, it's what? It's the 11th today. They have four days to make their decision. So if I'm Jim Harbaugh, you know, you don't want to keep guys hanging. Now, that said, he's not going to be concerned about that. He's concerned about one man, Jim Harbaugh. He's not concerned about uh, players deciding if they're going to stay or if they're going to go. He's setting himself potentially at a disadvantage in recruiting not only of the future class, but also of this upcoming team, because I don't think he'll have a decision uh, necessarily by then. I do think he's going to want to play things out until he gets things as favorable as he can. And, but considering that he hired an agent for the first time, we have, you know, we haven't seen him have an agent in a decade, right? He, he hasn't, he didn't have an, an agent coming into Michigan. And then he hired one this past uh, season as he prepared for, uh, all of this, which is the first time we've seen that happen. Uh, I would imagine the agent's not going to let him necessarily uh, make a big decision right now while there's money left on the table, while there's other jobs out there. That's kind of the job of an agent. I, I certainly know that coming, having worked at uh, one of the major talent agencies myself for four years. So that's, that's going to be one of those things where I think that it's going to maybe – drag itself out for another week, maybe two weeks, and things are going to get really uncomfortable with the personnel that's currently there in Ann Arbor and also probably in recruiting. And it's essentially, as much as I think he's trying to set himself up for financial advantage, I think he's going to set himself for some 
little bit of short and more importantly, long-term disadvantage by doing that. But certainly could be surprised. Certainly could see it be a situation where uh, it does get wrapped up in the next day or two, especially if Santa Ono is extremely persuasive. So Blake Corum back, that's big, right? Oh, that's huge. I mean, I think if if you look at what Michigan has right now, and Blake Corum, 12 games, 1,400-some yards, and then you add in Donovan Edwards, who is approaching 1,000 himself. I mean, it's the best one-two punch probably in college football when it comes to the running game. And Michigan certainly, no matter who the coach is, is going to want to run the ball, give them what they have. And I think that if you had Blake Corum in a game like the TCU game, it goes a lot differently because while – Donovan Edwards certainly has that home run hitting ability. And we saw that on the first play of the TCU game. We saw it in Ohio State. We saw it in this early second half uh, against uh, Purdue. Blake Corum was a guy that was going to get you 150 plus yards, kind of regardless of what the defense was doing, right? Uh, he was, you know, Michigan could hand it to him at third and six and still feel pretty confident he was going to get a first down. That was part of the issues is uh, that what we saw uh, against TCU is that the offense uh, kind of had to get out of its own. Uh, ability of being able to do what it wanted to do. And that's why you're handing to a, a linebacker uh, on, you know, first and, first and one from the goal, uh, you know, and which ended up being a fumble. Uh, if, if Blake Corb's in, they're not, they're not doing the cute type of things like they did and having a jet sweep to a tight end, you know, they're just giving it to their reliable guy. They're trying to pound it in, in the middle. Uh, if, if not right off of center, probably at least off guard, and uh, things get a little bit easier. So you, you bring a guy like him back who should be a team captain, I would imagine. Um, uh, he's got the ability to – he certainly can be uh, – I think he'd probably be looked at as a Heisman favorite after what he did this last year, assuming he stays healthy. And then you've got a, a guy behind him in Donovan Edwards who can still be that home run threat. I mean, it's that's the most important recruit that you could get if you're Michigan is getting back the most uh, the most important player, the mo- MVP of the team from this past year. Last thing before I let you go, because this is what always happens. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, beloved, all right, he goes, let's just say for the sake of argument, he goes to the NFL. You know how this goes. Oh, man, hate to see Harbaugh go. Everybody's to blame. Everybody sucks. Hey, by the way, who's the next coach? That's how it goes by the end of the night. Who, 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 who we getting? Uh, who would be somebody like if you were in charge? If you were Wade uh, Ward, excuse me, who would you get it? Who would you look at? Well, there, there's a couple candidates I look at both internally and externally because um, I think one of the big challenges is if Harbaugh leaves is is Michigan's going to want to try to run things back as close to what he's had. But how many coaches would he take with him that is whatever destination he goes to? Uh, I think candidate 1A, even though he hasn't had a lot of experience, would probably be Sharon Moore. I mean, he's uh, he's an experienced coach overall, but this last year was his first year as a co-offensive coordinator. So I guess the question would be is how much is he able to go and run a program straight away after having had that experience uh, of just from one year? I think that he's probably a head coach in waiting uh, at some point. I think he's probably being groomed for that, but it would be one of those things of, is he ready to do it right now? Um, and I don't know if Michigan would make that call. Mike Hart would also be another one, a favorite son, of course. 
He was an associate head coach for several years, as you know, down in uh, Indiana and Bloomington um, before he came to Ann Arbor. So he, he's had maybe a little bit more requisite experience as far as that type of leadership. Uh, outside of that, I would look at uh, a couple guys like maybe Kalen DeBoer over at Washington. I mean, he's had a stellar record before he even arrived in Seattle. Uh, he, he certainly has exceeded expectations in year one with the Huskies as well. Uh, but from going from the group of five and what he was able to do uh, do there to to going to Washington, uh, plus he's got uh, he's got some guys on staff that have some Michigan ties like uh, Courtney Morgan who went there from Michigan, um, and then I would look at some other young guys. I know a lot of people are throwing out Shane Beamer, I, I, and while Shane Beamer's had a really good year with South Carolina, I don't know if he would necessarily be my choice. I mean, maybe you you, you really try to to go after. Uh, Kyle Whittingham and just try to make him say no, right? That would be another one where uh, I, you know, he's he's been amazing at Utah. And uh, does he leave Utah for a school like Michigan? I mean, I think it would be interesting. I think anybody that says the Michigan job wouldn't be attractive to major players in college football are out of their freaking mind. There are only so many. Michigan's and in Utah's a great job, but I got to tell you, if I were uh, Kyle Whittingham, I'd run there naked. I mean, with all due respect to Utah and and everybody else, I would run there buck ass naked to take that job, man. Uh, it's a I, look. There's only so many like it. There, there's only so many with that kind of passion, with that kind of enthusiasm. Now it's a pain if you lose to Ohio State, but hey, look, the buyout's pretty good. So what the heck? <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's. I think one of the issues that is Michigan has if they do have to move on from Harbaugh is this isn't the type of year where there's that new hotness out there, right? Where there's there's not that coach out there where everyone's like, man, that guy is about to get hired at a big time program. You know, you you, you see it usually just about every year of that guy who's you know up and coming, like, right? At, you know, maybe even like a like a Billy Napier was to Florida last year. There's not that guy out there right now. Uh, there's not that hot name that everyone's clamoring for. Sonny so Dykes. Sonny I, I don't Dykes. really know what you do. I, <laughs> that would be something. <laughs> I guess that would be it. Go get. Can't beat him. Get him to join you. <laughs> Just Urban Meyer. Yeah, that'll never happen. Uh, <laughs> As much as I, w- I would root for the chaos in that moment, I would love to see that. Only right. only just for the sake of wanting to be in the middle of the drama. Um, but, yeah, that would obviously never happen. But we could dream. I told, I'm to- I've told him for years, that's the perfect culmination to your career. Go to Michigan, win a national champion, Throw up your clipboard, do your interview, and go back to Sarasota. I think that would be the perfect scenario. Uh, to end. But you're right. For guys like me and you, that's beautiful, baby. Let's do it. But could you get Urban? To, would Urban be coaching Michigan without saying the name Michigan? Would that, would, would that still be a thing? Would you just call them the Wolverines? I told him all that team up north and crossing out the M. Get rid of that. Let's go. You you know, we gotta. We'll just we'll just coach Michigan and you know just 
do that. But anyway, I, I do think, um, I hope this clears up. Actually, I don't care if it clears up. I'm kind of intrigued by it, and I want Harbaugh here to Indianapolis. So hopefully uh, it stays for a little bit. Isaiah, appreciate your stuff, man. Thank you very much. Thanks, Dan. Good seeing you again. Nice seeing you, too. Second time we've had Isaiah on. He had a power outage, and so he was nice enough to go to a local coffee shop. Uh, So he respects the show. We always used to say on our other show, like Mike Woodson came on our show and he's eating. Like, you got to respect the show. There is no, hey, well, you know, my dog died and I can't fix. No. No. You respect the damn show. You get invited to a show of this nature, you respect it. So he, power outage all over the place in his world. So what does he do? Hey, man, he goes down to a coffee shop. He goes down to a coffee shop, and away he goes. Respect the show. People say, well, you don't like Mike Woodson because he uh, ate on your show. That had nothing to do with it. I don't have anything to do with it. I don't care less. I mean, I wasn't going to have him on again. Uh, If you don't respect the show, there's nothing I can do for you. But I got to tell you, I got to tell you, guys like Isaiah, they respect the daggone show. I don't know why you wouldn't. All right, yesterday, there is a debate about Lamar Jackson. So yesterday, I heard Shannon Sharp say this with Skip Bayless. I'm not playing unless they pay me big money. And I got to tell you, I'm never surprised by anything that comes out of anybody's mouth, particularly, particularly anybody on TV, anybody facing off against Skip Bayless or anybody on Greenberg's show, you know, whatever. But what a crappy approach. But what an insight into what pro athletes really think. That's what I took away from it. I took away from it what an insight Shannon Sharp gave us. I ain't playing, man. So it isn't about legacy. It isn't about Super Bowls. I'm all about winning is what I hear from athletes all the time. I'm all about winning. Really? All right. I've never bought that ever except guys like Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. That's why I always said you're never, ever, ever going to see ever Andrew Luck lead Indianapolis to a Super Bowl because he wasn't the guy that was completely invested in his team. And they didn't have an operation that was going to have good enough players around him. So when I heard Shannon Sharp say that, I wasn't mad at Shannon Sharp. I was actually happy that he said something that I completely know is at hand. See, in the world that we live in, people think, well, players aren't trying to screw up. No, they're not trying at Indiana to turn the ball over. No, they're not. But when you're not fully invested, when you're not fully there, that's when problems happen. And I try to explain this to people. It is so hard to win when you are healthy. When everything is on the same page, it's hard to win. It's almost impossible to win when it's not. 
because the other guy may be. You know, there's a saying, hard work doesn't guarantee you success, but not working hard guarantees your lack of success. Now, I've always lived by that. I've always thought that. Look, if I work hard, well, he works hard. I'm great. Isn't that what you're supposed to do? And that's my problem with Mike Woods. He don't work hard. He don't listen to anybody. And he hired bad guys. It's my problem with a lot of people. But when I heard Sharp say that, I thought to myself, wow. All right. He's not the only one. And then I heard John Harbaugh. I heard John Harbaugh speak, and he didn't exactly give a ringing endorsement to Lamar. He said, yeah, I think Lamar's been out here doing good stuff. I think he really wants to play. All right. Okay, that's fine. But the truth of the matter is, um, do you really? Are you fully invested? See, that's what I think have made us so successful on radio and now here. We're not taking a day off. I'm not going to take a day off. I don't ever take a day off in terms of not bringing it, ever. I'm going to give you what I understand I'm going to give you what I think, and I am going to give my all to you. I got an answer that makes absolute sense to me about why Pete Buttigieg, why Pete Buttigieg was hired. He wasn't hired because he's woke. He was hired as concession for dropping out of the primary. Still unqualified, but you don't have to force the fake woke narrative on everything. Takes focus away from truth behind your statement. Okay. Well... If he ain't woke, I don't know who is. And I got to tell you, my uh, niece worked for his husband. So I I know a little bit. I'm just saying, I I know a little bit. Not a lot. I'm not a lot. Not a lot. But I do know a little bit. Jesse Aaron says about Buttigieg, and Jesse's still wearing a mask. uh, Actually, he was qualified. It doesn't control the panel, you clown. But it's already fixed. Cope. Okay. I'll cope. I'll try to figure out how to cope. I will. Uh, Bradley Stevenson is mad at me because I've been critical. Those years of Catholic school are showing you're damn right. He's mad that I said never underestimate the ability of Joe Biden to F things up. Biden hired Mayor Pete for the job he was unqualified for. Why did he hire him? Of course you know why. Those years of Catholic school are showing you damn right. You know how many times I got cussed at by Father Ward, a former boxer? Of course they are. I learned a great deal. All right. When we come back, I've got some what-the-hell Wednesdays. Ellen DeGeneres is an idiot. We've known she's a fraud, right? But now she's just an idiot. That's interesting. I got a lot of people that I'm on today. Uh, Jennifer said, don't blank Dan off today. She's right. I'm on one today. I am. I'm on one. Good for me. I bet a lot of, there, there's a bunch of people on the YouTube, uh, but there's not a lot of people on the YouTube chat. Go to the YouTube chat. Let me hear it from you. I think people got, uh, I think people got a little bit sad that I made fun of Tanner. Tough. Walk like men. That's my new motto. We'll be right back. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. 
It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. You know, Dylan just said something pretty interesting. He said, you know, I have not heard from Ellen since that big thing came out. Well, the big thing that came out was that Ellen DeGeneres was a complete fraud, like most are, like most left Libbies are. She was horrible to everyone around him, great up front dancing and trying to be cute with her little friend and Haitian Portia. I saw him out to dinner one time uh, in L.A. I, she seemed nice. I don't know. I didn't talk to her. I have no interest in Ellen DeGeneres until she does something stupid like abuse her assistants and abuse her position. But, of course, she's gay, so no one's going to say a word about it. But I guess they did, and her show is no more. So Ellen DeGeneres posts a video. Ellen DeGeneres is mad. Ellen DeGeneres, well, let's show it, shall we, Dylan? blaming it on Mother Nature being mad. Really? What's Mother Nature got to be mad about? Former candidate for Los Angeles City Board of Supervisors said, uh, Kevin uh, Dalton said, no, Ellen, we need to hold our elective officials accountable for decades of not preparing for checks, notes, rain, you idiot. Um, Somebody else said, Ellen, Mother Nature hates you because you treated your employees like crap. I would find this fascinating, uh, says Joanna Schroeder. Um, except yesterday I was shown a video of Ellen harassing young Taylor Swift about the guy she's dated, despite Swift literally begging her to stop setting a boundary again and again and again, nearly crying. As a woman, it made my stomach turn. This woman is horrible. Like, you got to understand, Ellen DeGeneres is horrible. And I'll be called some kind of ist for saying that she's horrible, but she's horrible. Uh, maybe, well, what did Jordan Peterson say? Maybe we should put a virgin into a volcano. Now, you got to understand, Oprah and Ellen, Prince Harry, Meghan Markle, 
they uh, live in this gated community called Montecito. By the way, speaking of gated, did you see Joe Biden? Did you see Joe Biden is gating his house in Delaware or uh, building a wall around his house? I know walls didn't work. But anyway, what the hell are you doing, Alan? Hey there, Peaches. How are you? What's going on? Is Porsche okay? Okay, baby. All right, baby. Okay. All right. Okay. You'll be all right, Alan. We hope you're okay. And it's Mother Nature. I think it's global warming in this case, Alan, because we need to get our information from fake folk. And she tops the list. I'll tell you this. I said this earlier. Um, I said this earlier, and I said this, well, frankly, because I think it's true. People from Duke are idiots. I've not met one person from Duke who, nice guys, nice people, who wasn't self-involved and a fool. Not a fool. That's not fair. That's not fair. I've not met one person from Duke that isn't self-involved and thinks they are smarter than everybody else. Um, And I've gone back and forth, and I'm not talking about like Jay Billis or anybody like that. I like Jay, and I like Jay Will and all those guys. All right? That's not what I'm talking about. I've gone at it with some professors about paying of players, and they were so arrogant and, in fact, many times stupid. Really stupid. But anyway, there is a professor, this lady here, that claims um, that the Hamlin injury proves the NFL and football in general is racist towards black men because more black men get hurt. Well, there's more black men playing in the NFL, so more guys are going to get hurt. The only statistic, I'm not even going to get into it. Uh, I'm not even going to get into statistics because I've got a good one that would, ma- would, would be not great for me probably in about three hours. Um, but anyway, so this idiot, another one of these professors, says that football injuries are racist and disappropriately affect black men. Everything is racist. Let's just get that out of the way. This lady's name is Tracy Canada. She's claiming violence in football disappropriately affects black men. She's an assistant professor in cultural anthropology. Damar Hamlin's collapse highlights the violence black men experience in football. Really? All right. Claiming the heart attack he received was less of just a random occurrence, but in fact, racist. She goes as far as to say that Hamlin's heart attack was horrific for both its regularity and its exceptionality. The ordinariness of men running into each other full speed represents a normalized, rather rationalized violence that is routine in this American game. Yeah, we love it. Love it. There, little Tracy. Uh, While black men are severely underrepresented of positions of power across football, such as coaching and management, they are overrepresented on the gridiron, thus they make the most money. Non-white players uh, account for 70% of the NFL. Nearly half of all Division I players are black. Further, through a process called racial stacking, coaches racially segregate athletes by playing position. So now it's racial to be a cornerback. These demographic discrepancies place black athletes at higher risk during play. So I'm a wide receiver because I'm black, not because I'm fast and I can catch and I've trained my whole life. She's an idiot. She's a stone idiot. 
I don't want to read anymore. Good for her. God bless her. See, the level of stupidity, I think if we defend, I think if we defunded our universities, all of our problems would go away. I do. I think if we defunded our universities, all these idiots would go away. Defund our universities. Seriously. I'm telling you, these idiots are around. And many, many, just to fund them now. But that is a good what the hell. Because it is like what the hell. All right, a man pushed, uh, passed out outside the bushes. This is a good story. This is a heartwarming story. Outside the bushes of the Miller Park, which is the Brewers Stadium. He did it after a game. And when he woke, he entered the team's clubhouse, stole electronics, a credit card, team memorabilia, and other items. Well, I ain't blaming the guy. I'm not blaming the guy. And I don't know if he's black or white, so I guess if I were blaming the guy and he were black, I'd be racist. But the truth of the matter is, I'm not blaming the guy. Of course, just saying guy makes me sexist or racist or something. I don't know. I mean, every word, I'm wearing a blue shirt. Why isn't it black? Why? Are you racist? No. I just like this shirt on TV. It makes me look cute. But anyway, now that we've established that literally everything is racist, um, I would like to know whether this guy is white or black so that I can call him an idiot. I would also like to know if the people that were supposed to be guarding the clubhouse were even there. Were you even there? What were you doing? How does a guy so hammered that he's passed out in the bushes Go into the clubhouse. As you can tell in our rendering here, so as not to be called racist, the perpetrator looks to be white with, I think, gray hair, but that means we are ageist. We've got to be some kind of ist. Don't we? Have to be? Must be? Some kind of ist. All right. You know, ladies and gentlemen, that we support vigilanteism. We support when somebody walks into the Best Buy, the Best Buy team gets in a stance and tackles the guy like they're tackling somebody running for the game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. You know we support. The other day, some idiot walked into a restaurant, started waving a gun. He turned his back. Some guy clipped him numerous times. I support it. Maybe you don't. Good for you. I do. So the other day, some dude is in a South Carolina Walmart, and he's acting a fool. Let's play the video, and let's see what happens to the fool. Look at this fool. He's just acting a fool. He's waving it around. He's acting all tough. He's got his little knife. He's act- Now he acts like a real idiot. I don't care what he's on. I don't care what his problems are. That needs to happen right there every time. Right there. Let him flail around. Let him do whatever, but let's wait for it. Two guys falling. Now he gets his knife. Now he acts like a hero. Now he's dumb enough to turn his back, and the good Samaritan takes the... Every time. I support this. I think this should happen more. I hope that I'm in a position one day, I probably shouldn't say this, 
where I can do that. I think this is great. If you don't think this is great, then that's great. Who cares? But I think this is great. I think this should happen more. I think, in fact, we should teach classes on how to do this. I think we should teach classes on the best things to take and whack somebody over the head. In fact, here's what I'm doing. I bought a gun. I didn't want to buy a gun. I've always been afraid of guns. I'm not going to get a carry permit because I don't want to carry the gun. I don't want to carry a gun. But I got to tell you, I'm not mad if my wife does. I live in Lawrence, Indiana. A cop was shot last night on 46th Street. Indianapolis is nuts. Uh, all I'm going to tell you is getting a gun, vigilante justice. I'm sorry. The world has changed. 10, 15 years ago, maybe I would have said no. But right now, hit that idiot over the head and let him figure it out with a rehab center or a therapist. And if that upsets you, I don't know what to tell you. All right. Deer are stupid. I mean, let's be honest. Deers are just stupid. I was listening to my friend Nigel Laskowski on the Hammer and Nigel show. Deer are just stupid. I mean, let's be honest. When you look at a deer, you're like, why are you in the middle of the street? Why are you in the neighborhood? But this might be, I don't know, this could be the dumbest deer of all time. Let's show this deer. Look at this deer. Now, understand, look at that thing. This is a butcher shop. A deer willingly going to slaughter. Sitting around trying to figure out how do I become venison? How do I become a little venison stick that's so good? How do I become venison steaks? This guy willingly went through the front window of a butcher shop in Minnesota. Now look, as big of idiots reside in Minnesota, and by the way, Minneapolis is my least favorite city, and if you live there, my apologies to you, not to what I said. But if I lived in Minnesota, I'd probably just turn myself in. I'd say, you know what? Life has got me so down. Life has put me in such a horrible place that, you know what? You might as well just chop me up and go Soylent Green on me. You guys probably don't remember Soylent Green, but that's what I would do. I'd be like, eh, go Soylent Green on me if I had to live in Minnesota. And that's all this animal is doing. All this animal is doing is saying, hey, look, take me. I'm going to flop around. I'm going to look around. I'm going to lay around. Take me. Take me now. Take me. Chop me up. Let me die. I don't blame you. They're stupid. All right. We're a little early for this, but I ain't mad at it because I got some things to say at the end of the day. Let's go to who our woke dope is today, Dylan and Ryan. There are so many to pick for. We have dopes. We have many dopes. We have so many people that have lost their mind. And here it is, L.A. Public Health. 
If you're returning to work or school today from holiday break, consider wearing a mask for the next 10 days to keep your surroundings safe. It's important to wear a mask for at least 10 days if you don't, even if you don't have symptoms to avoid spreading the virus unintentionally. See, my guy Gary just said Soylent Green is people. That's what I was referencing. I was referencing people, Gary. I had moved from venison to people. Let's go to masks. Go ahead, wear your mask. Go ahead, don't wear your mask. We have found, and I think our leader, our hero, our sensei, Clay Travis, I think that he started with saying, look, masks don't help. If it makes you feel to wear a mask, wear a mask. I got to tell you something, though. I don't care what the mainstream media says anymore. I don't care what our guy at the Indy Star, Greg Doyle, calling people names, calling people idiots and liars and having small penises if they disagree with him on the vaccine and all under the guise of he is a guy that is a you know, good guy. I don't care what any of them say. I'm so glad I didn't get the booster shot. I'm so glad that I did what I needed to do to keep a job. I did. I did what I needed to do. I got the vax. I got two shots. That's it. I'm not getting all these boosters. I'm watching too many people drop dead. Now, somebody would say you're anti-vax. I'm not anti-vax. I had a couple of friends die from allegedly COVID. I had one friend in ICU that, frankly, in ICU, the doctor told him, if you didn't get the vaccine, you'd probably be dead. He didn't say 100% dead. He said you would probably be dead. So I'm not mad, but I'm not getting all these boosters. Too many young people are dropping dead. Too many young people are having heart conditions. And if you want to tell me that that's a symptom from COVID, I'll listen. I'm not Greg Doyle of the Indy Star or any of these other liberal idiots that think that you have to listen to only them only their point of view, only their newspaper. If you want to tell me that the young 21-year-old Air Force football player dropped dead walking to school yesterday, if you want to tell me, and you can prove it, that it is from the vaccine, great. If you want to tell me that it is from uh, symptoms relative to COVID, I'll listen. But we need to have a conversation. We need to not be such idiots, such one-sided people, and say, well, you're a dumbass if you even question it. No, we should question it. Science, I learned, was all about questioning. Science, I learned, was about investigation, using your brain. I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But I know this. There isn't a sports writer a sports staff, frankly, there are very few, if any, writers for any legacy newspaper that I am going to listen to. I am going to listen to the smartest doctor that I know, who way back told his family and me, be careful with this vaccine, particularly women. And don't get the booster because we don't know enough. If that makes me, according to Greg Doyle, an idiot, stupid, somebody that's disregarded all kind of studies, then fine. I accept it because, frankly, I know who these people are. We shouldn't criticize people 
for making their own decision in the United States of America, particularly if that decision is based on information somebody you trust. There has been, at least allegedly, at least there are studies, and you can go to different studies and get different things done however you would like it. But the Moderna shot, there is a study that shows there is a 50% increase in blood clots. There is a minimum of 40% increase in heart issues. It's not like people are just pulling this out of a hat. I would argue that the people that we read, Washington Post, legacy medias, I would argue that they are the ones pulling this out of a hat. Lastly for the day, my losers of the day are the mainstream media. I don't get this. I'll never get this. You've got places like the Washington Post, the USA Today, the Indy Star, the New York Times. I don't get why they feel the need to be one-sided. I don't get how if you are a reporter for those entities, you are biased. I don't get it. How are you biased and look yourself in the mirror? How does that happen? I don't get it. I went to telecommunication school. It's not journalism school. In fact, I only did it because I wanted no math. But one thing I did learn is you're supposed to be unbiased. So we've got President Trump, who everybody said needed to go to jail because he had documents that he could declassify as the president at his Mar-a-Lago home. Come to find out, the vice president, Joe Biden, when he was vice president for the do-nothing president, Barack Obama, when he, well, he had documents that now are believed to be related to Ukraine and Russia, a place where he made hundreds of millions of dollars. He had documents in his, quote, think tank private office. Of course, Joe doesn't know how they got there. Of course, Joe was very critical of President Trump saying, how irresponsible can you be? I don't care what Joe says, and I don't care what Trump says. What I care about is why is the USA Today saying that the Department of Justice is going to, quote, review? They're not reviewing. They have launched an investigation. Why is that not right? Why are they like this? Why does, and I'm going to go to it now and see if it's changed in the last 30 minutes, but why does the Indy Star, a newspaper that says and used to be on the forefront of investigation, there's nothing in here. There's not a single word about it. Now, I'm not saying they should. This is a newspaper that when Maria Kwiatkowski was there, when um, Tim Evans was there, Mark Alicia was there, broke the Larry Nasser story. This is a group that is at the forefront of national stories, not a single word. At least what I'm going on, not a single word. I mean, you've got stories on how how to celebrate Martin Luther King. You've got 2,000-word essays on me, Valentine's Day in White Castle. You've got all kind of different stuff, but not a single word. Not one. Why is that? I don't understand it. Can somebody explain it to me? I don't get it. Barely a word on Mayor Pete's flight catastrophe. Now, you got to love the USA Today 
The USA Today, who, by the way, owns the Indianapolis Biden says he was surprised to learn of these classified documents in his office. He was surprised. Really? Oh, a box last fall. They did what they should have done. They called the National Archives, turned them over. But that's not the question. The question is, why were there classified documents in the office of the vice president about groups that he made millions of dollars, Ukraine and Russia, off of, that he was not able to declassify? See, for those of you keeping score at home, Trump could declassify as president. Biden, as vice president to the do-nothing president Obama, couldn't. But yet somehow these ended up in there. And Jersey Jolton Lion Joe says, I got no idea. And these idiots in the media are going to buy it. But I ask why? How do you look yourself in the mirror when you folks supposedly went to journalism school? You tell us daily how to act. And yet you're idiots, you're biased fools. And I say that with no respect whatsoever. How can you be so biased? How can you sit there and not make this into the same deal you made it with Trump? Joe Be- Jody Behar, or Joy, whatever her name is, said, well, we know Trump's a liar. And we know Biden is not. Are you insane? Let me go through, if you don't mind, for the last, oh, I don't know. 20, 30 freaking years on the lies of Joe Biden. Are you ready? These are just made up. He claimed he used to drive an 18-wheeler. Evidence shows he rode in an 18-wheeler 50 years ago, never drove one. He claimed multiple times he spoke to the inventor of insulin. Multiple scientists are credited with discovering insulin. Two died before Biden was born. There's no evidence that Biden met with the others. Biden claimed he had a house burned down with my wife in it, said they almost lost a couple firefighters. The truth of the matter is, in 2005, Biden's house had a small fire that was contained in a kitchen. There were no injuries. Biden claimed he was raised in a Puerto Rican community in Delaware. Of course, there's no evidence. In Delaware, when he was raised, there was only a 0.39% population. Biden said he remembered spending time and going to the Tree of Life synagogue after the 18 shooting. The synagogue said Biden never visited. Biden claimed to be a liaison to Israeli Prime Minister Golda Meir during the Six-Day War. Biden was in law school during the war, and Meir wasn't the president. Let me continue. Biden claimed... His first job offer came from the Boise Cascade, an Idaho lumber company. The company said they have no record of Biden's application or of him having even thought of working for the company. Biden claimed the first time, quote, he got arrested was as a civil rights protest. Was that a civil rights protest? There's no evidence Biden has ever been arrested. And he was not a civil rights activist. He was quite the contrary, a blatant racist. Number nine, Biden claimed that he had a conversation with Amtrak conductor in 2012 and 2013 about traveling a million miles on Air Force Two. The conductor retired in 93. He passed away in 14. The guy that Biden said he met in 18. Biden claimed he was appointed 
to the Naval Academy in 1965. There's no record of him not only being appointed, but being nominated. He graduated in 1965 from the University of Delaware. Jesus. Biden claimed oil refinery production is the reason I have so many other people that I grew up with having cancer. He doesn't have cancer. And the cause of his, I guess he had uh, melanoma, was sun poisoning. What an idiot. Biden frequently claims to have been a full professor at the University of Pennsylvania after being vice president. He didn't teach a single class. Biden claimed his great-grandpa was a coal miner, something he has been saying for decades. They analyzed it. His great-grandpa wasn't. Biden said after he was elected VP, he awarded his uncle Frank with a purple heart. His uncle didn't get a purple heart. He died in 99, and Biden wasn't vice president until 08. Biden claimed, listen to this stupidity, he hit a softball 368 feet off the wall at his second congressional basket, uh, baseball game. There's a thing here in the paper. He went 0 for 2 and struck out. Biden claimed his great-grandfather was an All-American football player at Santa Clara. Santa Clara and NCAA records show no evidence of Biden's grandfather being an All-American. Biden claimed he could have been an All-American football player. Biden played as a backup on the freshman team for one semester. Biden claimed he almost walked on to an NFL team. Thought he could make the pros. There's no evidence of this. He barely played college football. Biden claimed he was shot at overseas, something he lied to in 07. It never happened. Biden said that he was a county council member. A woman once asked him to remove a dead dog from his lawn, but instead of removing it, he left it on the doorstep. When Biden recounted the same story a year earlier, he said he removed it. Biden repeatedly claimed he was involved, ladies and gentlemen, in the civil rights movement. Biden himself admitted in 1987 he was not an activist, never involved in the civil rights movement. That doesn't even get into the Nelson Mandela claim. So Joy Behar and the rest, this is the biggest liar we have currently in public office. 